Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Doctor Script Show, where we talk about your favorite films and script doctordom. Talk about the good, the bad, and everything else in between. Today, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Dr. Sam! Wow, it's great to be here. Uh, you did say uh, we were going to look at the movies you love, and I feel like that may not be uh, accurate today. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, I yeah, definitely am not <laughs> going to love the, uh, make this uh, write love letters about this. Yeah, I'm more talking about the colloquial you for the people who are listening at home who may be like, uh, excuse me. This is the worst thing I've ever seen ever, which I don't agree with. However, I, I allow people to have their opinions on. Yes. So, Sam, what, what are we talking about today? <clears throat> well, uh, we're beginning a long and uh, storied saga called Star Wars. And we're not starting from the beginning. No, no, no. We're starting from the fake beginning. Yes. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yes, guys. We are kicking off Star Wars month here going to talk about the prequels right now and then at the last for the fourth installment we're going to leave that a little mystery but i think you guys can maybe figure it out be a little surprise it'll be a be a fun time and uh yeah so taylor what do you think about the phantom menace i have a lot of like uh good memories with the hype about this like when i was a little kid i don't remember what i was seeing it might have been like bugs life or something and i was in the theater and watching the trailers go by, and this, like, it, it was like the Star Wars theme starts coming up, and then it's like, I don't remember, it's like, from where the beginning began, and I was like, wait a minute, and then it was like, a lightsaber came on, I was like, wait, and then it was like, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon fighting Darth Maul, I was like, wait, no, no, and it was like, Star Wars, episode one, I was like, there's another Star Wars coming out, and I was like, ah! And my mom, I think she knew this trailer was going to be in this movie because she was, like, so hyped about it. And she was just watching me the whole time about it. Because, when I, you know, growing up, as I'm assuming most of us are, you're pretty big Star Wars fans, you know? Most, most people, when they're kids, uh, love Star Wars. Yes, playing with the lightsabers, all the lore behind it, and just, you know, Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan, all, all part of your childhood, I feel like, if, you know, if your parents did it right. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I uh, I agree. I the first time I actually saw Phantom Menace, which might have been why I liked it the first time, is I uh, I watched it and my dad turned on the TV and it was about two thirds of the way through. So we're at the exciting parts where they're on Naboo and the Gungans, like the Jar Jar people, are fighting the Separatist droids. And then at that point they like leave and then they go fight Darth Maul and it's then Anakin gets in his ship and actually does something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is so cool! This is a great movie. And it took me a while to actually go back and watch the whole thing from start to finish. Uh, and then I understood what people were talking about. But I have really good memories with The Phantom Menace. Uh, I don't have any, like, specific bad memories of watching Phantom Menace. I don't remember watching Phantom Menace for the first time or anything like that. Maybe I was just too traumatized. But I, 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 the first time I can remember is watching it on, like, VHS at mm. home. And I didn't have, like, a strong opinion on it either way. I thought Darth Maul was cool. And there were a couple of battle scenes, but I wasn't, like, raging about this or anything like that. No, I, yeah, I felt the same way. I like Darth Maul. I thought it was cool. It just took me until a little while later to, uh, to have uh, film criticism. But I, if from memory, it's, it's a very good time. 
Yeah, and honestly, after rewatching it, I don't think it's the worst. Like, the things that everyone complains about definitely have merit to them. I don't know. Yeah, if we're, if we're getting into worst Star Wars movie, this is definitely not it. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll... Oh, 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 we will get there. We'll get there. All right, should we uh, go into this bad boy and give it a little summary and everything like that? Let's get into it. So, uh, basically, the whole premise of The Phantom Menace is that two Jedi Knights, Qui-Gon Jinn and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi escape a hostile blockade to find allies and come across a young boy, Anakin Skywalker, who may bring balance to the Force. He doesn't. But the long, <laughs> dormant Sith resurface to reclaim their old glory. Yes, and we we open with this crawl going on, uh, talking about trade routes and blockades and tensions are rising. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's basically like how kind of a, a realistic take on how a, a, a dictatorship would rise... Because they're talking about, they don't talk about the Separatists or the Sith in this beginning. They're just talking about the Trade Federation, the people who are going to tax the people of the galaxy. And so that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, Naboo and these other planets don't want to pay these taxes. And they don't, uh, and the actual, like, uh, Republic doesn't want uh, to, to give in to their demands. Yep, and so we have Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi go on to the Federation star, like, rip-off Death Star, yeah. and they are quite, like, chilling out, just want to do the peace talks, and then the Federation sees that they're there, and they're like, oh, damn, uh, we gotta kill these guys, like, right now, and, man, you know these guys aren't smart when they think they can kill Jedi just with, like, random droids or, like, yeah. gassing them out. These are just normal robots, like, they're very skinny and not well put together, like, the... Qui-Gon Jinn just, like, does force push on one of them and just falls apart when, he, when, it, when it flies. Yeah. No, and it's just like, yeah, Roger, Roger. Like, uh-huh. oh, God. I forgot about Roger, Roger, and when I heard that, I laughed out loud. <laughs> they uh, say it, like, three times, too, yes. in the whole movie. I, I, you know, I respect it. I respect it. So then they get attacked. They escape the droids attacking them, and they, like, try and get to the uh, Separatists and putting in, like, a lightsaber in the whole door and everything. And I love how the Separatists are like, what? This is impossible. Like, dude, you have no idea what Jedi... It's like yeah, it's, me being like, SEAL Team 6 broke down my door that only had one lock on it? That's impossible. Yeah, like, they know who the Jedi are. It's this ancient order of people who can make things move with their minds. Why do you think this is impossible? Uh, but yeah, so they try and get in there. They can't. And then they escape on the, uh, on the Trade Federation ships that are landing on Naboo because they're going to try and have Naboo sign a treaty that will uh, allow them to do whatever they're trying to do. Right, and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan get separated at this point, and Qui-Gon is running away from these huge droid ships happening, and he bumps into Jar Jar Frickin' Binks. Now, you know, Jar Jar's actually the uh, linchpin of this whole thing. <laughs> when, you, when you really put the movie together, he's the only thing that's holding it all together. You know, it's, it's, it's a real... Uh, sorry, could someone get me a Diet Coke while I finish this album? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. He is the linchpin, and that's why the movie definitely falls apart, man. Yep. that's that's If he is the linchpin, as George Lucas said, he's the, that's the reason why people hate this movie. Fun fact, on set, everyone thought Jar Jar Binks was going to be the next big thing. Like, oh, this guy, he's, no, he's like the next C-3PO, the me- next iconic person well, in Star Wars. Kind of. Like, I mean, have you seen the documentary that's about Phantom Menace? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Maybe on set everyone was like that, but uh, we can talk about this later, but uh, in pre-production meetings, you can see people physically, 
like their faces not hold back that they think that this is a bad idea. Yep. No. We'll, yeah. You know, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So then he Qui-Gon saves Jar Jar, like very uneventfully. He just like pushes him down into the water and just like, get out of my way. And then Jar Jar's like, well, I'm entirely indebted to you. Obi-Wan comes up and he's like, who is this guy? Droids attack him. They're like, all right, we need to get to a safer spot. Jar Jar, do you know anywhere to go? And he's like, oh, yeah, Misa know this place. And they're like, take us to it. And he's like, well, I got I got kicked out of it, sort of. And they're like, we don't care. So then they go underwater into the Gungan Palace. And it's like, you know, a bunch of other Gungans coming around. And Jar Jar, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon get taken by their, like, military people to the head guy. And they have to negotiate about a few things about, like, uh, hey, we need a ship go to Naboo. They negotiate when they for like a few minutes and then Qui-Gon Jinn does the Jedi mind trick that's like, you're going to give us two ships. It's like, you're going to get, I'm going to give you two ships. You're going to let us uh, talk to the queen or whatever. It's like, you can, you can talk to the queen. Which, what was the point of the negotiations? If he's just going to do that anyways. Like, and what is the Jedi moral code in tricking people into doing things that you want? Uh, that's a good like, question. Is it supposed to be like, all right, about three minutes is about how long we take until we don't get what we want, and then we do that. Or you could just do that right away and not have them be suspicious and then be like, hey, I said no earlier, but now I said yes, and then they're going to have a mental crisis later in the shower where they're trying <laughs> to figure out what what means anything anymore. He's just like, what happened? Ah. They do sort of waste time doing that, now I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Naboo's getting attacked, and Qui-Gon Jinn is sort of dicking around. It is one of those things, though, that was introduced in A New Hope. That's like, you see Obi-Wan do that same trick to the stormtrooper. And then you realize throughout the entire rest of all of the movies, why don't they just always do that with everything? Yeah. <laughs> like, I get the morality behind it where you shouldn't control people, but if you're going to do it anyways, just do it. Save some time. Save some time for everyone. Exactly. But they, uh, they leave the palace, the Gungan Palace, and they head up to the surface of Naboo, where they uh, have to sneak into uh, the, queen's pa- the Queen's City and into her palace. Because uh, the Trade Federation is already there, and they're already trying to convince her to sign the treaty, but she and her people are like, no, we're not going to sign this treaty. Yes. As they're walking down, uh, Princess Amidala and her crew get saved by Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Jar Jar. No, they get saved by Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and Jar Jar hilariously dangles from the top of a balcony. (laughs) Ooh-wee. 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 Only top-notch comedy for Star Wars. Ooh-wee. And so they end up getting into the ship and taking off, uh, but getting shot at and attacked by other Federation people. And their shields end up getting, going down, and they have to send in the droids. Send in the droids. And they, all the droids get picked off one by one, except for this one droid. He's a little different. His name is R2-D2. Oh, yeah, well, this, yeah, this is when they're, like, escaping the palace, and they're trying to, uh, to get the queen to safety with all her handmaids and the one uh, other general that they have, and all them keep getting shot away, because also they left the palace with no plan for how to get through the blockade. The whole point of what they just did is that there's this blockade around the planet, and they're like, let's fly away. The whole point of not flying away is because they're blocking, and all the droids get shot off except for Mm R2-D2, which doesn't make sense for later, but that's okay. 
I mean, yes, I thought it was like a cool character introduction to R2 because it's sort of like, yeah, I'm a badass. What's it's up? It's a cool character introduction, but everything that he does throughout this movie and the two next prequels make no sense for why he's Obi-Wan either doesn't know who he is or R2-D2 oh. hasn't been a bigger part of the story in trying to like stop the Empire from doing what it's uh, whatever. I'm not mad about it. I'm mad about it. Though. No, th- those are valid complaints. But the uh, the engines get shot, and R2-D2 is able to save it enough that they could blast away, uh, but they can only go far enough away to a desert planet mm-hmm. known as Tatooine. Ooh-wee. Those of you who don't know, that's the home of Anakin and Luke Skywalker. Yes. And so when they're there, they are uh, Qui-Gon. Who else? Pat? Uh, so it's Qui-Gon... Uh, Qui-Gon and I think Jar Jar are on their way into the city so that they could go get, uh, so they could go get like a, re- a replacement engine mm-hmm. for the ship. And then uh, one of Queen Amidala's handmaids, Padme, shows up and she's like, I am here on orders from the queen to make sure that everything's going well in the city. And her general guy's like, she's on orders here to come from the queen. And it's like, okay. Well, Qui-Gon's like, hey, we need to not, like, you know, we need to be stealthy and not bring attention to us. And that's why I'm bringing Jar Jar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he said we can't bring, like, too many people because we can't draw attention. So he brings the guy who's been making the most noise this whole time. (laughs) If you look back, Qui-Gon has a very bad history of picking up people who are not helpful to the cause. Yeah. Which he only has two when he's 0 for 2 on that. We'll get to the second one later. Like, not just 0 for 2. It's like, wow, like, these are the worst two you could, like... This should be, like, 0 and 20, really. Yes. They, they equal different people, but basically he accepts Padme and the, the group of them walk into town, and uh, uh, Qui-Gon runs into this, like, fat blue alien who's flying around, and he's like, can you get me the part that I need? He's like, oh, maybe I can. And, like, while he goes in to negotiate for the, sh- the part, Padme comes into, Jar Jar comes in, Jar Jar has some hilarious hijinks, and Qui-Gon walks away with the blue alien, and then they reveal that there's this kid sitting on the counter. And he looks at Padme and he says, Are you an angel? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Anakin Skywalker. That's our character introduction to Darth Vader. That's Darth Vader. And he is this tiny, like, ten-year-old boy who just compliments Padme on everything, which is, you know, sweet if he was a better child actor. Uh, I mean, if we want to talk about this now, I feel like... Jake Lloyd was given nothing to work with. Well, like. yes, this is true. However, he's still not good. Right, yeah. I mean, the reason why Darth Maul is so cool is because he doesn't have to talk. Yeah. He doesn't have to well, say, you know. I, I'll, I'll actually have a point, uh, something for your point about him not having something to do later in, in an after part. That's just a fun story. Uh, but the, yeah, so they have a conversation in Padme and Anakin Bond. Uh, so then... They go away because Qui-Gon can't get the mission parts. And Jar Jar tries to... They start going back to the ship. And Jar Jar decides to try and eat something that's just like on... Like a grocery store, basically. Just eating in front. And the guy's like, hey, you can't eat that. Jar Jar then spits out the food and it hits Sebulba. And Sebulba Uh, Sebulba. tries, tries to fight Jar Jar. And then Anakin comes over and is like, hey... Don't fight him. You're a jerk. And then Sebulba's like, ah, I'll see you next time, Annie. And so then Qui-Gon's like, whoa, thank you, young young one. That uh, shows very great like nobleness and courage for standing up for my idiot friend. And then I think Jar Jar steps in poop at one point, too. He does. 
Uh, but then Annie, Anakin tells them, like, oh, like, the sands are coming. They're going to be too heavy. We, you can't go there. And then stay with me for the night. And Qui-Gon's like, all right, we'll do that. And then, like, throughout this, we get introduced to Darth Maul and Darth Sidious saying, like, oh, our plans are going into place greatly. Like, we need to find the queen. And that's Darth Maul's mission. So then they send Darth Maul to go find the queen. Yeah, because she's on Tatooine, so they send her, send her in. And there's, like, sentry droids that are scouting scouring the city. And then at night, uh, Qui-Gon does, like, a blood test on Anakin. Uh, well, let's skip in a little bit. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> You, you, you keep going. Uh, so then they meet uh, Anakin's mom, who is, like, very hospitable to them, and gives them food, even though Jar Jar just, like, like gets his giant tongue, just grabbing apples and stuff. And at this point, Qui-Gon's like, yo, I'm done with your shit. Can you show some, like, you know, hospitality to all this? And Jar Jar's like, ah. And he talks about, like, thinking or revealing how he thinks Qui-Gon's a Jedi mm-hmm. and because uh, he's... Like, you have a lightsaber sword. And Qui-Gon's like, maybe I killed someone. And then Anakin's like, no, I don't think you're that smart. I think you just were walking around <laughs> with your lightsaber. Yeah, just out and about. And then uh, Anakin's mom is taking notice of all this. Oh, and then we do actually get introduced to another friendly droid. C-3PO. That's right, because Anakin, not only is he a, a slave to this guy who works in a mechanic shop, he also is a great pod racer and he can create life out into these droids. I mean, it sort of feels like all these droids have like some type of a, you know, consciousness to them. They they do, but he creates this like very neurotic, very specific uh, personality droid. I don't know. What, right before the Qui Gon, Obi Wan, Padme, or like everyone goes into the ship to escape from Naboo, mm-hmm. there's this one droid who's just like. Oh, who are you guys? And Qui-Gon's just like, oh, we're here for Bobo. And he's like, oh, uh, that doesn't compute. Uh, you're under arrest. And I was like, damn, that was a sassy asteroid. Just yep. being like, uh, I ain't taking your shit. And then they kill him. But, you know. Uh, I mean, as you have to. I didn't say these droids were smart. No. Um, so, yes, it's cool to see C-3PO and R2-D2 interact for the first time. Then, yeah, it sort of gets planted that Anakin is, like, a pod racer and that he's willing to ship or race for Qui-Gon and the crew to win back the parts. Mm -hmm. And this is where Qui-Gon is like, wow, this kid is, like, so insightful. Like, he picked up that I I was a Jedi and everything. Like, wow, who could have known that? And I'm like, a lot of people could have. Because you're not actually a great Jedi, Qui-Gon Jinn. No, and the thing that also sucks here is, like, Obi-Wan is just stuck in the ship around like he's just playing walkie-talkie with Qui-Gon yeah and I mean Obi-Wan's not in this movie that much if you actually look at it I think Obi-Wan would get the and credit right now yeah I think if they were doing stuff more uh along those lines he probably would have but he's uh in this movie he's third build mm-hmm. uh because you also get Ewan McGregor so makes yeah. sense but yeah I mean he's sidelined for the whole middle section he's the one character that we actually really do know like, in the whole thing, it would be the thing that brings everybody together. Because so we don't know Qui-Gon, don't know Queen Amidala slash Padme. Sorry, spoilers, Queen Amidala and Padme are the same person. Uh, and we see this kid version of Anakin, which is not the same person as Darth Vader, so it's basically a different person. Yep. So, anyways, we like, the next day they're talking about pod racing and everything, and Anakin is working on his pod race, and these kids come up, and they're like, hey... Annie, like, what are you doing? Are you trying to think... You think you can win the race? You're an idiot. And they just run back off. I'm like, okay. But this one kid stands by, 
And he's like, whoa, Anakin, like, you're making this thing and you're going to be in it? That's so wizard. Just let that sink in for a second. I thought that was just a joke that Robot Chicken made up. Just like, hey, this is so wizard, isn't it? And it's like, oh, that's stupid. I had no idea that was actually in Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. Like, I would say second to only the sand scene where he's like, oh, I hate sand. In the second one. I think that is the worst line of dialogue in Star Wars. I would vote for that's a wizard to be the worst line of dialogue in Star Wars, and I will fight people on the sand line later on. But yeah, basically, at this point, Anakin, had, uh, Qui-Gon's told the, uh, the guy who owns Anakin as a slave that he's going to, that he wants to wager uh, his, Qui-Gon's going to put his ship down as collateral damage, and if Anakin wins the race, they're going to... He, he'll get the, the engine part that he needs. Shopkeeper's like, sure, I'll take that bet. And Anakin's working on his pod, and Jar Jar has some more fun hijinks. Uh, yeah. And then, well, we sort of... Qui-Gon starts talking to his mother, Anakin's mother, mm-hmm. and we find out that Anakin was a virgin birth. Basically, Jesus. You yes. know how Jesus was born from Mary when she hadn't had relations with her husband yet? That's how Anakin was born. Yep. We're going to come back to that, because she doesn't even know who the father is or anything like that, and uh, it's pretty dumb. Yep, a little bit. So, uh, anyways, I think we go to the next day where the pod race is happening, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone's getting ready for the race, and uh, all's good, and then Qui-Gon, like, after talking with Anakin more, he feels a lot deeper of a connection with this kid, and he gets the blood test back from Qui- from Obi-Wan, which he finds out his midichlorian count is off the charts. We can get to midichlorians later, but they're basically the thing in this mythology that allows people to feel the Force and to be able to become Jedi. And so, since this kid has more midichlorians than anyone's ever seen, Qui-Gon wants to take Anakin with him. Yes. So he tells the shopkeeper, hey, what if we do like a double or nothing bet, and you can keep everything that I have, but if we win, then I can take the kid and his mother with me. And the shopkeeper's like, you can only take one of them. Let's roll the dice for it. And then Qui-Gon cheats and makes sure that the dice land on the correct spot for him to take Anakin with him. Which was a stupid moment because you don't need to have that moment. Just have the shopkeeper be like, you can't have both of them. You can take the kid. Yep. That's about it. That's all you really need. Waste of time. Yeah. And just to show that Qui-Gon likes to cheat a lot. He's not a good Jedi. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know his moral code in all this. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we have the pod race. Um, it's cool. It's fine. It was entertaining. It's a race car scene. It's a ten minute pod race. A lot of stuff happens. That guy that Jar Jar insulted the other day is Anakin's rival in the pod race. Uh, but Anakin wins. They get the parts that they need. They keep the ship. Anakin gets to come with them. They have a tearful goodbye with with his mom, um, and then. I think at that point they're about to... Well, also Anakin and Padme have more scenes together mm-hmm. where we're supposed to be developing this romantic relationship between a 10-year-old and an 18-year-old, which we can get back to later as well. We will, we will. And after they have you know some good moments, they're about to jump on the ship and leave, but then Darth Maul drops in. Dun-dun-dun! And Qui-Gon stays behind to fight Darth Maul in a, in a decently cool action sequence. Yeah, I liked it. It got my attention back up, being like, what's going on? uh, Especially after that long pod race. Yes. Uh, And they tell him to fly the ship away, and the ship's, like, leaving as Qui-Gon does a cool flip in the air, and then jumps in the ship, and it flies away, uh, away from Darth Maul. And then they 
go to... Coruscant. Coruscant. Oh, yeah, because they go to Coruscant because they need to... They're asking the Jedi Council about, first about, obviously, the Trade Federation and what they're going to do, uh, and then secondly about what they're going to do with Anakin because Qui-Gon uh, is in love with this tiny boy. Oh, okay. Listen, <laughs> I don't know any other reason why Qui-Gon would be so obsessed with this kid, like, to try, you know, to do all this stuff. I get I get his midichlorian count is off the charts, but, like, you are risking your own life and reputation and, like, career as a Jedi to get this kid into the Jedi Council, and spoilers for life, it's not going to work out. Well, we'll talk about that later. There's, I, I think there's actually an interesting interpretation of that prophecy, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll talk about that after the summary. Yeah. So they get to the Coruscant, uh, the Prime Chancellor comes up and is like, oh yes, we'll try and help, but then we have Senator Palpatine getting into Pat, or a Queen Amidala's head saying, like, oh, we need to give him a vote of no confidence. Like, very, like, politicky stuff. Yeah. They end up ousting the current chancellor. Yeah, mostly through Chancellor Palpatine, or uh, Senator Palpatine at this point. Yeah. Uh, convincing Padme to, or Queen Amidala. Ugh. They're the same person. He, uh, Senator Palpatine convinces Queen Amidala to uh, make a vote of no confidence against the current chancellor. Uh, and she feels gross about it, so she's about to leave and just kind of not deal with that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's when Senator Palpatine comes in and says, good news, they've made me the chancellor now. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> hi, Emperor. Was uh, When you were first watching this, like, did you know that he was the bad guy throughout this whole series, or were you like genuinely a little surprised in the third one you found out he's Sidious? Or? No, I knew because it's the same actor, and like, as much as I was kind of like a, like a you know somewhat naive seven or eight year old or whenever I watched this, uh-huh. I like I could tell that that was the same face and the same voice as the original trilogy. Like whenever, because you know you'd hear him like in the in Return of the Jedi, I'd be like, "Do it, understand your power," and it's just like a like a deeper, more like mis like a misused version of Chancellor Palpatine. So I was pretty much aware of what it was going to be from the beginning. I I mean, I wasn't that, like, I didn't think too much about it, but it was just because my mom sort of told me who he was. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, he's that guy, Taylor. And I was like, okay. And then the whole time I was like, wow, they really keep hyping this guy up. <laughs> and it's like, in the third one, he's just like, it's me. I'm like, we know. Yeah, I, I bet there was like a good chunk of the audience that didn't actually realize that because the internet was young. People probably didn't have IMDb to look up to figure out if he was the same person. I guess. I, but who else could it be at the know. same point? But anyways, so yes, uh, we end up going to the Jedi Council, and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon give their whole updates on what happened. And then Qui-Gon talks about Anakin, mm-hmm. and they're like, all right, we will test this kid, whatever. And they test the kid, and they end up being like, oh, do you miss your mom? <laughs> <laughs> and Anakin's like, yes. You know, that was like slightly traumatizing. And they're like, oh, you can't be part of our club because you like your mom. And now you're scared about it. And I'm like, damn, Yoda, that's fucking, you know, recess bully shit. Yoda and Samuel L. Jackson bully a 10-year-old because he's scared of losing his mother. Like, uh, whatever. Then the Jedi Council decides that they don't want to bring Anakin in, even though he's somewhat of a skilled uh, youngling. Uh, Qui-Gon offers to up to make Obi-Wan a, a full-fledged Jedi and take Anakin on as his new Padawan. 
and they decide they're not going to go through with that quite yet. Uh, they haven't decided, so Anakin goes somewhere else, and they instruct, uh, the Jedi Council tells Obi-Wan and uh, Qui-Gon to go back with Queen Amidala uh, back to Naboo so that they can try and figure out a way to stop the Trade Federation from, uh, from being mean. Yeah. I kind of forgot what their plan is. Honestly, at this point, like, Queen Amidala is just pissed that no one's doing anything. So she's like, fuck it, we'll, like... And the thing is, Jar Jar, like, like says, like, oh, man, yeah, if you need an army, we had one at the Gugan City. And I'm sure Queen Amidala's like, are you fucking kidding me? You're telling me this now? We, yeah. I, we, your friend almost died from a fucking Sith. <laughs> and Anakin had to risk his life to do that. And now you tell me there was an army that I didn't know about? Like, yep. So she ends up to, like, I am tired of this shit. She... It's like, we're going to attack with the Gungan people, and y'all can help out if you want. And they don't help out. And yeah, so the the entire Republic decides that they're just going to kind of let the Trade Federation do what they're going to do, because Chancellor Palpatine is part of the Trade Federation, a.k.a. the Separatists, a.k.a. the Sith. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. We're, it's kind of supposed to be a surprise, but that's okay. Yep. But anyways, the whole crew leaves, they go back to Naboo, and they go to the Gungan city, where, uh-oh we realize that Queen Amidala isn't actually Queen Amidala. Uh-oh. It's just Kira Knightley in Queen Amidala makeup. Yeah. Yep. And, and it, then Padme walks forward and says, I'm the true Queen Amidala. I've just been using Kira Knightley as my, uh, as my uh, go-between so that I can conduct my business as if I were one of the common people. Yep. And I'll be honest, like... Granted, I was, you know, like six or seven when I first watched this. Remember watching it, at least. Mm-hmm. I fell for it. No, me too. Yeah. I, and that's, what, that's the one. I'm not, not Palpatine, because I knew Palpatine, but I didn't realize the Queen Amidala Padme twist. I was not expecting that, because if you look at it, Natalie Portman and Keira Knightley actually look pretty similar. Yeah, they sort of do. And it's interesting, because they do sort of, like, do little tidbits here and there, like, foreshadowing it. Mm-hmm. Like, the one that I can remember specifically thinking of is right before the pod racing scene, uh, Padme's like, wait, so you're going to risk everything on this pod race? And then, like, I don't think the queen would approve of that Qui-Gon. And Qui-Gon's like, I have the trust of the queen, and she believes in my, like, thought, like uh, thoughts. And everything I do, she approves. And she's like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, uh, I also think that, uh, in retrospect, it is a, it's a lot more obvious than it was. Because especially, like, when she gets on the ship and she is Padme... And then she's the one who clicks on the message from her... She has a message set for, to her from her, like, Naboo uh, second-in-command. That's like, uh, the Queen, we need your help. The separate the Trade Federation is about to take everybody prisoner, possibly execute people. And, of course, she's the Queen at that point. But, like, as a younger person, I totally understand not realizing that and just being like, this is a very, uh, this is a very like, helpful handmaiden. <laughs> but, yeah, so they... So Padme's able to convince the... Uh, the Gungans to uh, give them her tro- their troops, and then there's a big battle in an open field between the Gungans and the Trade Federation droids. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't realize that the Gungans had Wakanda uh, <laughs> powers to them because they just put up a huge shield, and the droids are just like, "What's going on? Uh, we're just going to keep firing at it and not do anything with it." Oh my God! Is are you saying that Avengers Infinity War stole from Star Wars The Phantom Menace? Unequivocally. Like, there's no debate about it. Wow. I can't wait to see the crossover, man, of Star Wars into the MCU. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to get Patton Oswalt all over it again, and he's going to make it happen. He'll make it perfect. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so then they have that big battle. Uh, I guess the, the Gungans win. 
Yeah, I mean, actually, not really. They actually do lose. Yeah. (laughs) They do lose. Uh, It's just dumb luck. uh, I don't know. (laughs) This is where my, uh, I'll be honest, when I was rewatching it recently, this is where my, uh, uh, I might have watched a link to it. This is where it's crapping out, so I had to skip forward a few times, so I don't actually, I didn't see a lot of these parts that I I remember recently. You know, the Guggins did sort of deserve to lose. They made Jar Jar a general. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's what they do before that. Padme's like, you, uh, uh, Jar Jar's the reason that we were able to get here. And then they're like, you deserve our respect, Jar Jar. You are general now. Yeah, and then Jar Jar's even like, man, that's a bad idea. <laughs> but he still keeps it on, so, eh. Yep. Anyway, so, yeah, that battle scene happens, and as that's going on, the, uh, Padme and the Jedi all come together, and they end up sneaking to the temple city. <laughs> and they, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, meet up with Darth Maul and have a kick-ass fight. Like, kick-ass this was fight. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Anakin ends up, like, accidentally flying a f- ship into battle. And, uh... Yippee! Yippee! <laughs> <laughs> um, they... Queen Amidala ends up, like, getting up to Viceroy and, like, holding him hostage. Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon have this big fight and ends up with Qui-Gon getting killed. And it is, like, this big dramatic moment at the time. You're like, it's just, like, he gets stabbed and it's like, Da-da-da! and Obi-Wan's like, no! Dun-dun-dun-dun. And just Darth Maul and Obi-Wan just are just eyeing each other this whole time. Like, what's up? Who's going to do it first? And then the shields go down. They fight each other. Ends up Maul pushes Obi-Wan down, like, the hole, whatever. And he's holding on to, like, bear, dear life. And so, you know, Maul has the high ground right now. <laughs> just you know, we're we're gonna come back to that eventually, I think. But it's just something of yep. note. Obi Wan uses the Force to jump up, get the light uh, Qui Gon's lightsaber, and cut Maul in half. Maul goes down and dies, and they save the day. Uh, well, Anakin ends up blowing up the other Trade Federation part. All the robots go down, and that's how, by default, the Gun- Gungans win. Yeah. Well, then in Qui Gon's like last breath, he tells. Obi-Wan to take on Anakin as a, as a Padawan. That should be his last wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Obi-Wan's, okay, okay, I'll do it. And that happens, and they have a big party, and the uh, the Jedi are like, sure, we didn't want him before, but because you died, very bad Jedi will allow it. Yep, and it ends with, you know, the funeral Qui-Gon, being, and then Obi-Wan and Samuel Jackson, or Obi-Wan, Yoda and Mace Windu are like, hmm, I guess the Sith are a thing. Like our Jedi said, we should really take them out of their word more often. Mm-hmm. And then we end with back at Naboo with everyone celebrating and they have this huge orb, which, what is that orb? Yeah. <laughs> so then it ends, it like has this wipe and it's like directed by George Lucas. And I'm like, yep. yep. And huh. that's Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yes. Uh... A lot, lot of issues. Yep, I, I think there's a good amount to talk about with this. Yeah, I mean, in general, like, there's some stuff to like, some stuff not to like. The You know, politics and politics stuff does sort of, you know, bog down if you're a kid. Yeah, but here's the thing is I, I do appreciate, though, that it is a realistic, quote-unquote, like, depiction of how a kind of coup like this would take to disrupt the Republic. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's, it's based on trade policy and based on like actual real politics and trying to make uh, as much real world sense out of 
this Star Wars universe is possible. It's it's boring, but I did appreciate it. It felt it felt very real and a lot more uh, into the into the modern world as more than I expected it to be. Yeah, I agree. Like actually, when uh, uh, Padme was or like Princess Hamadala was like, I vote for no. Uh, I vote for an act of no confidence or whatever. I was like, oh shit, she did that. <gasps> like, and that's just like. That's the adult yeah. side of politicking where I'm like, whoa. But if I'm a kid, I'm like, what is an act of no confidence? Like, because it's all like such bureaucratic, dumb stuff. Like where it's like you have to sign this treaty, vote of no confidence, elect a new chancellor, and like it's stuff that is dramatic when they say it, but the actions themselves are not that dramatic. Yeah. And oh uh, boy, is it? It's it's just such kind of boring dialogue. It's pretty bad dialogue. Well, throughout the whole thing. I mean, just the trade stuff is boring, but, like, here, people give George Lucas a little too much credit for his writing, because he has two Oscar nominations for original screenplay, one for the original Star Wars and one for American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. I challenge anyone to go back and watch American Graffiti <laughs> and to tell me that that is good dialogue. Really? I swear. I like American Graffiti. I think it's a good movie. But I want you to go back and tell me that everything that they say and the way that they say it is good. It's one of those... It's It was a movie made in the 70s that's looking at the time capsule of the 50s, kind of like what people are doing today with the 80s. Mm. That it's, I think a lot of people have those nostalgia goggles on and that it really made people appreciate like their childhood and kind of give you more more something to look at with uh, for American Graffiti. But it's not good. It's not how kids sound. That's not how adults sound. It's not how people talk to each other. And I think that's just the thing that when you let George Lucas do what he's going to do, and also go back to Star Wars A New Hope, that's not good dialogue either. They just, they got uh, Sir Alec Guinness to say a lot of these words, and there's just exciting action, and they figured out how to make it, he knows how to make things unique. Yeah. He's got these really cool ideas, and if he lets someone else enact them, like if he gets the story by credit, maybe, just maybe, someone else could make something a lot better out of this. Are you saying George Lucas isn't super wizard man? George Lucas is the least wizard writer that I know. Uh, no, not, not to insult George Lucas too much, just the fact that he should just know that his skill set is not in dialogue and not in character interactions. Mm-hmm. His skill set is in these big ideas and these lofty, like, space opera themes. Yeah. Like, what they're going for. Because, again, what he's going for in this is actually pretty good. Like, trying to figure out a, a, a political way for an empire to rise and to have old religion and technology, like, interacting with each other. Yeah, no, he does do a good job with that. And another thing that he sort of talks about with in the documentary that we referenced, he talks about, like, parallels to the first one. Like, uh, what is his specific quote? Like, something like a... It's a uh, song. Oh, it's like a... <clears throat> I believe it's like a, like, a, like, a, like a song where the chorus just comes in and out throughout. It's a melody. It, it, it's, a, it's got lots of repetition in it. Something it, like that. It's a poem, right? I think it's a poem. It's, yeah. it's like a yeah. It's like one of those poems where you say it forwards and then like when you repeat it back, it means like the opposite. Is that? It's not a soliloquy, is it? No. Okay. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, because um, there are some interesting parallels to a New Hope in this, where like Anakin does ends up destroying the you know discount Death Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lose the mentor figure in Qui Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole, you know, I guess they are back at Tatooine for it, but, like, they find a little kid who doesn't know whose parents are, or his father, at least. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're trying. I get good ideas, just 
poor execution. Yeah, I mean, if we look compare this to Force Awakens, it's a lot more subtle than yes. that. All right, is there? I, I like the character or uh, creature designs too. Before we get into yeah, yeah, surgery, there, there's some good creature designs. It's hard to tell though because this is the remaster version. Because the original uh, Phantom mm. Menace, at least the version that I saw, was the remaster one. Yeah, no. they don't sell any of the original copies of anything anymore. So like things like Yoda were CGI, even though he was a puppet for a good part of this movie originally. Uh, and certain other things are just enhanced, quote-unquote, because that's, assuming that CGI is what makes everything better. So, But I did like the designs of most things. Because it, it, he definitely spent a lot of time working on this. And like the production designer... Costume designer, all the visual effects people like took forever to make this movie happen. Yeah, and it sh- the the work that they put in does show. Yeah, no, the attention to detail is uh, it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, is it, is it time to do a little do a little surgery? I think so. I think it's time. All right, gotta take this guy in. under. Uh, so Sam, is there anything specific you want to get into at the very start? Besides the dialogue. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I would just do a whole script pass for dialogue. Okay. Uh, make sure someone can come in and kind of change things. I would probably, mostly for doctoring, I would take out half the stuff with the Trade Federation. Okay. Like, mostly those unnecessary scenes, because we didn't mention it, but, like, throughout the movie, like, there, there's a good chunk where it's just 60-second scenes of the Trade Federation. Then we go to uh, Queen Amidala and the... the Congress or whatever, then back to the Trade Federation, then to the Jedi Council talking about their things, then back to the Trade Federation talking about how, with Darth Maul, about how they're going to uh, infiltrate, you know, Queen Amidala's palace. And I think you cut out half of those things, because those are things we we know already, or we're going to know, mm-hmm. that we just don't need half of those things. And if you do that, maybe you could give a few more scenes to Obi-Wan Kenobi to allow him to be part of the action more, or at least give him something to do while he's on the ship. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's definitely one thing I want to tackle, is that Obi-Wan should be more in this adventure, because he, he does get the and credit right now. He's not an active force of it all. He is just takes a back seat. And if you look at this whole... Hmm. I don't, if you look at the whole prequel series, it is Anakin's story, mm-hmm. but Obi-Wan is the one that oversees it all happening, you know? Well, it is almost, like, the story is, feels like it's mostly told through Obi-Wan's eyes. Yeah. Because especially in this one where we can't really see anything from Anakin's perspective until about halfway through, and we don't even really see it from Anakin's perspective, like, at all. It is Obi-Wan, like, seeing his master die and seeing himself pick up this child, and then when we go into episode two and three... It is mostly through Obi-Wan's eyes that we see, like, different things happening. Like, it's a little split between him and Anakin, but it, it's, it, most of the heartbreak and the emotions come from Obi-Wan giving himself over to try and be like his master and to try and raise this kid to be a good Jedi. Yeah, no, and they have no real interaction in this movie. Mm-mm. Like, their, inter- their first scene they share together is literally, like, after Qui-Gon, you know, dodges or, you know, uh, escapes attack from the attack of Maul and it's just like Obi-Wan or uh, Qui-Gon on the ground being like oh, Anakin this is Obi-Wan Obi-Wan Anakin and they're like oh it's nice to meet you and that's like that's it yeah. but even uh, Obi-Wan's interactions with with Qui-Gon are not that good like the very mm-hmm. like the reveal that they are in uh, the Trade Federation ship at the very beginning like basically within the first five minutes they remove their hoods and we see them and it's supposed to be kind of like a cheering moment 
and then we move into this two minute tracking shot where we walk with them while they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. It's and the dialogue's bad, yep. as we've mentioned. But they don't. There's nothing for the two of them to latch onto as like, like master and pupil. Besides the fact that Qui Gon calls him my Padawan. Like if if he didn't do that, there wouldn't it wouldn't feel like there was anything to connect to. Like they don't really joke with each other, and they don't really like have this kind of uh, bond where it feels like Qui Gon's trying to teach him anything. It just kind of feels like Qui Gon's trying to explain things <laughs> at him, and Obi Wan's just like, oh, I must learn. Yeah, no, and um, I'm going to come back to character introductions, and this is why I thought C-3PO, or sorry, R2-D2s was so good. Mm-hmm. Everyone else's character introduction is so weak. Mm-hmm. And I, the, the thing why I really latch on into character introductions is, like, this is your first impression of these people. Like, yes, we, ha- we know who Obi-Wan is because of other movies, but if this is your first Star Wars movie and you're meeting Obi-Wan for the first time, like, how do you describe Obi-Wan as? Like, you don't really, you just, he's, he's this young guy with a rat tail of hair, mm-hmm. and, like, he just asks questions. That's yeah. what you get from him. But even with people that we have more time with, like Qui-Gon, I, besides being, like, you know, whimsical, or, like, not even whimsical, like, wise, but, like, he's not that smart in the long run. No, like, he really f- fucks up everything. He, he, he's kind of the reason everything bad happens, like, it's... And then even even with someone as bad as Jar Jar, like you would expect there to be like some kind of funny introduction. The very first shot we see of him is just a wide shot where he's running away from these ships. Like it just kind of cuts into the middle of what he's doing, rather than actually giving us a moment to like, oh, this is a character we need to notice. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's there, and then like Qui Gon just happens to be there in that same wide shot and like falls on him. Well, Jar Jar isn't even running away. He's just standing there being like, ah, ah. And then Qui-Gon's like, get out of my way, get out. And then they just end up like hitting each other and falling onto the ground. And it's just like, ah, this thing's happening. And then within like a minute or two, he's introduced to Obi-Wan again, like in this, this is more of a filmmaking thing, but like in this wide shot where we don't get to like see any of their emotions or faces or their interactions. And then in two minutes, he's like, oh, just come to the Gungan Palace with me. And it just happens. And there's nothing... There's no character or anything to latch onto. Like at least, s- there could be something that's like, oh, I want to take you to the palace because of my feelings of being ashamed for being kicked out, or because of these other things. But there's no nothing, nothing to latch onto there. Yeah, I mean, Jar Jar is another big thing I want to tackle in general. Like he, I want Qui Gon Jinn to have to go out of his way to save Jar Jar in the first beginning part. Like, him seeing, like, oh, like, maybe he's surrounded by the droids and Jar Jar's about to get killed. And Qui-Gon's like, no, I need to save this guy. And he, like, goes out of his way to save Jar Jar. Because then Jar Jar is actually, like, there's a life debt to be paid. Rather when Jar Jar and Qui-Gon just, like, collide with each other and fall on the ground. And just coincidentally, like, the ship that goes over him doesn't have wheels. Like, that's not a life debt. That's just a coincidence. Yeah. And Jar Jar in general, I want to make him more, like, of a noble character because he's just the Mr. Magoo of this whole series. Because, you know, literally, like, he, I get he's a little fish out of water. Yeah. And he doesn't understand, like, oh, this hybrid beam, if I put my face in it, it's going to make my face all numb. Or, like, oh, it's not proper to really eat fish at the grocery store but without paying for it. I want him to, like sort of real like get banished for a certain reason maybe like he's taking the fall for someone else or like 
I don't know. There's something there that I want him to get kicked out besides being clumsy. Well, there could be. He could still have his Mr. Magoonis, but, like, he does it for good reasons. Yeah. Or, like, he, he does it out of, like, the kindness of his heart or some other thing. Because, like, while he's... When he does stuff in the movie, it's always just, like, ooh, I wanted this I wanted this apple, and then I fell down and then hurt somebody. Or, like, you know, ooh, I just stuck my hand into Anakin's, like, pot engine. <laughs> what if he, like, he's... You know, for stuff like that, if you still want to have that... He, he got kicked out for, you know, some, like, he was, he might have been part of the Gungan army, and he was just trying to, like, you know, clean someone else's gun for them, and then it <laughs> fires and, like, hits them in the foot. He kills the senator. <laughs> <laughs> just by accident. Uh, or then, you know, if he's, when he sticks his hand into Anakin's engine, what if he's, like, actually trying to fix it and, like, yeah. do things? Jar Jar could be, like, still annoying, but in an endearing way if he's just trying to do good things when he does it, but all he's doing is just getting in the way. Well, with him, it's always, like, the, like, 80s show ending where it's like, oh, that's our guy. Like, oh, Jar Jar, you stuck your hand in the pod racing thing again? That's such you. And it's like, ha, 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 Jar Jar Binks, brought to you by NPC. But even then, like, if you take a character like Steve Urkel, who is, like, beyond annoying, everything that he does is always, like, you know, oh, I want to make friends with this family or I'm trying to get the girl. It's, there are always, like, reasons and character, like, things behind it. But Jar Jar's just there... <laughs> Fucking shit up. What do you what do you think of Jar Jar? I sort of well, I guess the main thing with him is the reason why people don't like him is it's the lowest common denominator of comedy. Like, uh oh, he stepped in poop. Ooh, or like, uh oh, that animal farted in his face. Oh man, or he made a funny face. Like, it does pander to like yeah. the little kids. <laughs> I'm I'm spitballing here. What if he got kicked out for trying to like talk to the Naboo people like trying to like uh, set up something like okay. oh let's talk because like I, these trade federation guys are like running around and I don't trust them and my people don't like I want to start an alliance thing mm-hmm. and that's why he gets kicked out and then he gets threatened for like death if he comes back and Jar Jar's like alright I know if I take these Jedi to the Gungan palace like I can die but I need to make sure my people yeah. know about it and, like, he's going into the place with the full intentions that he's going to get killed by, like, the main guy. And that's when Qui-Gon's like, no, he's a good soul. Like, we must save him. I'll bring him with us. And, like, he uses his old Jedi cheating tricks. No, I think that's good. And also, actually, if he's standing in front of, like, the trade droids, what if that's what he's trying to do is he's actually trying to flag them down so he can try and either, you know, stop them or try and negotiate with them because his peace talks with the Naboo people didn't work. Then he just got banished from his kingdom. So then he's like... No, you so stop. We're going to talk about the trade things. And, you know, again, it's ridiculous and he's allowed to be comical, but he's at least trying. Yeah. Just something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Just make Jar Jar better. Yeah. Um, hmm. Um, what other... Because, I mean, also, there are other character introductions that we didn't go over that are a lot... Uh, that are also bad that could be fixed. Like, I mean, the... Uh, well, the Queen has a pretty decent one because she... You know, it's her uh, her council talking to her, and then she's like, I will take care of everything myself. Yeah, I mean, there isn't much you can do to make her look super badass and still, like, queenly unless you're like, oh, she's, like, playing target practice. And yeah. she's like, all right, bring on those trides or something, like, cheesy like that. There's Anakin's introduction where his, his is very specifically Qui-Gon and, like, the blue alien are just standing in front of him. Mm-hmm. They don't notice him. And they walk away while Padme's still in the shop, and he just says in like a reveal, 
Are you an angel? This is this is I've seen a lot of stuff online with this one. So what do you think and this Anakin introduction should be like? I don't I think Anakin's introduction sh- should be like uh it shouldn't necessarily be are you an angel, but it should be something where he he realizes that she either is a queen or that she's not who she says she is. Mm-hmm. And that should be him being like like you know, good job fooling this guy or something. Because I, I still like him being this kid as much as Jake Lloyd didn't deliver the dialogue well or that George Lucas didn't write good dialogue. I like the idea that he's just this kid that's going to say whatever's on his mind and just kind of does his own thing. And I, I think that that's like... He, he could still do that stuff while not sounding like, like a dweeb who says yippee. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I... <laughs> Should should Anakin just like use the force to grab a broom or something? And that's his introduction. No, we saved that for the last Jedi. We've been holding on to that for years. I yeah, there's I do like that idea of Anakin like, you know, being able to suss out Padme. Mm-hmm. I sort of do like that reveal at at the Gungan place where we find out that she is a queen and Anakin just be like, Yeah, I knew yeah. something was different about you. Oh yeah. Because that could just be yeah. a foreshadowing line. He yeah. have, he doesn't have to say like you're the queen. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But um I like him being like so like intuitive to realize that because mm-hmm. like the thing with Qui-Gon where he's like I think you're a Jedi and he's like oh why and he's like well you have a lightsaber like that's Qui-Gon being pretty fucking stupid yeah um with the introduction I've seen a lot of stuff online being like oh you know what Anakin should have been like he should have seen like some spiders on the ground just squashed him and like we noticed there's something dark about him like there's something off about this kid and I'm like no, because no. why would Qui Gon bring this kid to yeah. him with the Jedi? Because he's he's not he's not evil. Like the point is that he everything he did he did out of fear or he did out of concern for someone else, and he just mishandled the Force like in the wrong way. The way that Palpatine convinced him that he needs to uh, he he needed to turn to the dark side in order to save the ones he loves. Right. I think with his introduction, like on paper. Yes, the angel line is pretty stupid, but it is sort of sending, setting him up as, like, this innocent soul that is just trying to find the good in people. And when he does come and save Jar Jar from, like, Saboba, like, that's, on paper, yes, that's, like, you know, the save the cat is the save the Jar Jar right now. But it's so, it's done in such a, like, lackluster way where it's just, like, the people look so bored doing it. Mm-hmm. I, so I probably would go with what you're saying with him being a little more intuitive i want him anakin to be like a really hard worker and like smart with everything like if qui-gon's like oh i don't have these parts but i have this and he's like oh you could do this and that with that and this would make up for that part and so qui-gon's trying to bring him on as like an extra hand too in general and he's uh I think at some point Anakin does talk about how he's had a dream about being a Jedi before. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be his driving force instead, is that he's learning how to pod race so that he can learn how to pilot a plane so he can, or like a ship so he can, you know, leave the planet and try and find the Jedi. Like, that should be when he discovers Qui-Gon is a Jedi instead of, you know, you have a lightsaber. He says, I felt this connection to you that I've been trying to find, like, my whole life or something. Right. Just give... Give him, give him more than the smart aleck kid, because he can still be a smart aleck, but he also needs to have the, the drive to be the Jedi. It'd be good if he actually really wanted this rather than just an escape from his slave life. Yeah. Um, so, metachlorians. Well, are we gonna? If we go into metachlorians, we're changing the entire, the entire structure of Star Wars, which I'm cool with. I well, I'm, I'm ready for that. I man, 
Metachlorians, I just take them out in general and what I'm thinking. Just have Qui-Gon just sense the force is very strong with him. Yes. That's all you need. No, that's it. The, the fact that there's a midichlorian, like, count, is, and, like, they do this blood test thing, is just George Lucas being like, we need to have more structure to this world, and I have this idea for this thing that makes them all these things that they need to pass down from generation to generation, but it's, you don't need it. You, all he needs, all Qui-Gon needs to do is just be in the room with the kid, and be like, I sense a very strong presence of the Force, and even if midichlorians exist... If George Lucas, you want to have midichlorians exist, don't tell us they exist. Yeah. Just let it be what it is. Well, because in general, it's sort of like, all right, anyone can be a Jedi. Like, it, it's just, yeah. if you're a good person and you use, if you choose the lighter side, like, you can be a Jedi. Or now it's like, no, it's genetics. It's like, oh, your two parents were Olympic athletes. I guess you have the genetics to be a really good athlete now. Which or can, just substitute there, that with Jedi. Well, there could be, you know, the predisposition to that being a thing, which mm-hmm. is how, like, it does happen in real life. But you don't have to say it. I the thing that does work with midichlorians, though, and I'll give it the credit for this is that now that you have that established part of the universe that there are midichlorians, and you have to you know be born into it. When we move into Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and that kid does in fact like force force pull pull a broom to his hand, that was honestly uh, amazing for me. Like as as someone who's loved Star Wars forever. It's the fact of seeing that anyone can be a Jedi. Like, that's that's the most inspirational message that I think you can give to a kid. It's like, it's basically, if Mr. Rogers wasn't beating you over the head with the fact that you're special, that's the thing that tells you that you're special. So, uh, I like midichlorians for what it does later on, mm-hmm. or for what, like, it subverts later on, but for the sake of this movie, I think it's a bad idea. I completely agree. Yeah. Another thing, just in the pod racing scene, I want Anakin to, like, do something dirty to win. Like, I sort of want us to see, like, he if, you know, push to shove, if it's between him winning and losing, he's going to do something dirty to win. Mm -hmm. And you can justify that being, like, oh, he's doing that. He did this dirty thing so he could, like, save everyone else. Like, I think if he, like, sort of kills Saboba in a way, I sort of, what do you think about that? I don't know if kills Saboba. But I do think that if he did do something, like, dirty, that would that would satisfy people who are like, ah, he does have evil in him. Mm-hmm. But he could also, like, do that. And then Qui-Gon could even come up to him. Like, you know, if he, uh, if he has, like, has an illegal blaster on his ship and he, like, shoots uh, Sir Bulba's ship and, like, it goes down. And then he, get, he finishes and then Qui-Gon's like, why did you win the race like that? He's like... Well, I saw you do that with the dice, and I saw you do that with trying to convince people. I, I just figured this is the way to do things, and that shows that he's you know on the path to the dark side, but also he has seen that Jedi have capabilities of doing bad things. Yeah, because uh, from him his point of view, the Jedi are the bad ones. <laughs> Only the Sith deal in absolutes. Uh, other quotes from things, but yeah, no, I, and I think if they did that, that would be an acknowledgement that. Qui-Gon's a bit of a problematic character. Yeah, no, like, he is not the ideal... Like, we think he's the ideal Jedi, but he actually, like... Mm -hmm. He's not as good as he preaches. Yeah, and I think that the fact that people keep talking about how great he is, and they talk about it in the Clone Wars series, that he's, like, a great guy that uh, Obi-Wan wants to talk to again and, like, get get in touch with uh, to talk to his old master. And I think that he... uh, Showing that he's not as good as everyone else... And especially with the the future movies, Force Awakens and Last Jedi, 
showing that there's a balance of the force where you kind of there is an evil and a good, but you can there's the gray area in between that you can exist in and still do the right thing. What do you think we could do with Anakin's father? Uh, Anakin's father, I don't know, but I do think he should have one. Mm-hmm. And I think it it could have I think it could have been revealed in episode two or three instead of this one. But I I think it would be interesting for uh, Anakin's mom to actually say. He has no father, but that's just her, you know, hiding her shame for what, whoever it is. Right. And so that's why, especially why Qui-Gon might think he's even more special. And it just, it, it knocks the whole thing down like a peg or two to show that he's just a normal guy who happens to be a strong Jedi. Yeah, no, and we're going to talk about parallels with A New Hope in the first series mm-hmm. and to Force Awakens too. Like they always have like you know, parent problems. Like, they're always like, oh, who is my parent? Who's that? I really think they whiffed on not actually having Anakin, not him having a dad. Well, who do you think his dad should be? Uh, that was the next thing. I don't know who. In in the Legends comics, it's Dark Plagueis that's sort of made Anakin's father. Like, it's sort of hinted that, like, he uses the dark side to impregnate his mom. How does one use the dark side? That's not how it's... That's not how the force works. <laughs> I can't, I don't, I haven't like sat down and read it. It's sort of just like YouTube clips I've seen. It's like a stretch. I mean, a lot of the lore, or not the lore, a lot of the legend comics just sort of like try and make up shit for these stupid things. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh no, like this is what happened here. This is why this makes sense. Like, you mean it's like the Rogue One of, uh, of Star Wars trying to figure out things that they realize are plot holes now. Yep, yep, that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. I don't like Snoke, or Snoke, Plagueis being the end-all, be-all guy for him. Mm-hmm. Do you have any ideas on whose dad it should be? No, but I do think he should exist. I, I think there should have been some kind of, uh, what if it was a young Lando Calrissian? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the ages line up, but I'm sure that could work somehow, somewhere. Oh. Um, Anyways, I'm just trying to think of the players of the universe. I mean, if we do have, like, Darth Plagueis, or sorry, Darth Sidious using the dark forces to impregnate the mom, does mm-hmm. that make it any better? I mean, it's kind of still, definitely still creepy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, just... I, have you seen that guy? He's not someone I'm going to let babysit my kids. Well, I mean, it could be Palpatine who, like, set this plan into motion, like, a lot, like, a while ago. And it could, he could have just, you know, done that thing where he, you know, seduced her and then used the force to make her memory, to wipe her memory. I don't know. Is that how the force works? <laughs> uh, I've done something like that so that she thinks that it's, uh, it's, he's more than he is. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't have a good one for that, but I do think that there's the father should be revealed either uh, in episode two or three or just at some point. No, I I agree. Um, so when we're on the topic of Anakin's mom, I think it is fucking ridiculous that they can't get Anakin's mom to come in with him. I think when they're making the deal, it's just like for both of them, no matter what, mm-hmm. because we see Anakin is like very like you know, upset that he got taken away from his mom. And it's like, oh, yeah, we just don't have the money to buy out your mom right now. I'm so sorry. Yo, you couldn't have come back to Tatooine to buy her out? Your girlfriend's a fucking queen. Well, they couldn't do that because the the Jedi Council is not happy about Anakin's attachment to his mother. 
So I don't think they they wouldn't let them go back and pick her up. Why? Well, okay, if we're gonna have a secret marriage eventually with Padme and Anakin, mm-hmm. Padme couldn't like you know surprise Anakin for his birthday that she bought out his mom. You already he but, breaks the rules already enough. By the time they were in love, she's dead. Spoilers for episode two. But I, th- I I do think it would actually be an interesting thing to do instead of doing that. Is that they t- they take Anakin's mom anyways, and so when they're fighting off uh, Darth Maul, like Anakin's mom is on the ship with them, and then the uh, what's his name, whoever owned them before, like he has his men run in and is like, hey, stop that ship. And then Qui-Gon jumps into the ship and Darth Maul sees them and he has to, like, take them down because they're distracting him. And so that's how they get away. And Anakin's mom actually lives in the Republic with them, but the Jedi are upset by it. And that way, in episode two, when, you know, you're going to have to kill Anakin's mom Mm -hmm. instead of killing her in just a sand people, like, raid, Mm -hmm. uh, the the Jedi Council, like, does this nefarious thing where they try and uh, make her leave the city. And in some other way, either when she leaves, Anakin gets upset, or she like dies in transit. Then he—that's that would make him blame the Jedi even more for these things. Uh, okay, so we have s- similar ideas, but in different. Oh god, execution, mm-hmm. which is like a little dark on this. So I do want Anakin's mom to come with him to the ship, and when Darth Maul attacks, I want Darth Maul to kill the mom. Oh, okay. And I want that... So this whole time before, I want Anakin to be this good-spirited kid. Like, yeah, okay, anything's possible. Like, okay, the light side's everything great. But then after his mom gets killed, he re- like something changes about him. And after that, that's what the Jedi are seeing. It's like, yo, there's something up with him. Like, I don't know. And Qui-Gon's just like, no, no, before all this, he was great. Like, trust me, he's good. And it sort of gives a reason why Qui-Gon is so going home about it and the other Jedi's aren't, because they see... The darkness has taken over Anakin now. I don't know. I feel like that's too soon for the darkness to take over, though. Not like he just like has this like strong resentment towards Maul, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I guess we can get into this now. I don't want Maul to die in this. I want him to be the Darth Vader of the series, and throughout this time, like we see Anakin or uh, Maul kill Qui Gon also, mm-hmm. and now. Anakin and Obi-Wan have resentment towards Maul. And the whole time they're fighting each other, like, you know, they there's this hate behind it with it. And say at the end of 3 where Dooku gets his, like, yeah. head cut off, we say that's Maul. And, but now it's, like, both Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like, they have this resentment, they have this hate, and they both, like, have this opportunity to kill him. And Obi-Wan's like, no, that's not the way. And Anakin does it just because, like, uh, Palpatine brings up his mom or something. And that's, like, the, you know, the choice of him taking the anger out on him, where, like, Anakin wasn't strong enough to do that, and Obi-Wan was. True. And, I mean, when they do with Count Dooku, it is a, uh, a strong moment, but Count Dooku didn't do anything personally to him. That I would mean, be a good moment he Dooku chopped off Anakin's arm, but, I mean, like... Yeah, but... Yeah. Who, and, who hasn't lost an arm in this series? <laughs> uh, but, no, I think that, that makes sense, and I think you could... It would get into trying to figure out the plotting for episode two and three for if Count Dooku and General Grievous are part of the show, part of the movies anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, I like, uh, I mean, Grievous would be more fun to introduce him earlier, mm-hmm. but you need the big bad of this whole three series episode and like have someone to root against super hard because I guess it is Sidious, but we don't like know why Sidious is so bad right now. Like, we don't know who he is. There's no one, we're not actively 
again, we are against Sidious, but we don't see him do anything till the third one. Yeah, we just see him do political things that we don't like, which aren't mm-hmm. like, which are bad, but we see that now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I think, I think that's a good idea to keep Maul around. Question for us for our uh, Star Wars month at large: mm-hmm. uh, When we do episode two and three, and we do script doctoring things. Are we doing those just for the movies themselves, or are we doing it for the continuity that we're about to set up with this movie? Uh, we're just doing them themselves. Okay. I think that'd be too much for other people to go around. Like, I, I don't know if George Lucas really planned these out or not, mm-hmm. and so I think we should just take it base by base. Well, um, we had a plan this whole time so that Jar Jar could finally take over and be the one to lead the series into... Uh, has my Diet Coke arrived? <laughs> He's the one who will take the series into the future. Jar Jar, he's just so wizard, you know? Jar Jar is the most wizard of them all. <laughs> um, and then after this attack where uh, Anakin's mom dies, I sort of want Padme definitely be the one that consoles him. And, like, you know, they, we, I, Anakin also needs to be a little older, so it's not weird that, yeah, you know... Yeah, so he can have a mother figure in Padme. <laughs> all right. I, yeah, I know. Let's get into that end of his complex. Yeah, in a way, I guess. Um... Uh, no, I, I agree. I think so. And age up Anakin so that he's like 13 so that when she's 16, it's not that bad. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know the actual age difference between them. I think, I honestly, I think Padme is actually supposed to be 14, uh, in the series. Uh, and Anakin is supposed to be like nine or 10. So the age difference isn't that much, but it's just the fact that it's between a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old just doesn't feel right. And because I think actually Jake Lloyd was younger than like 10 when he played Anakin. So he was like 8 playing 10, and then uh, Natalie Portman was like 18 playing 14 for Padme. So Mm. it just, it's one of those things where even though the years between the characters aren't that much, the years between the actors just show so much. Yeah, it's like bad how much they show. Because they're they're supposed to be in love in like, you know, 10 years, and it's one of those things where he's just like, it just feels like, and it's just like, she always looks at me like I'm that same 10-year-old kid that she met on Tatooine. And I'm like, yeah, you were an infant back then, and she was a queen of an entire race of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Just saying. Another small thing. I want whatever lightsaber that uh, Obi-Wan uses for the rest of the series to be Qui-Gon's. Mm-hmm. Like, even if his one was blue originally, I want that just to be, like, a token that Obi-Wan holds on to as, like, oh, yeah, my master. Like, he like, taught me all this. Obi-Wan and Anakin both have blue ones throughout the rest of the series, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that actually would have been cool if... Uh, when Qui-Gon dies, he picks up Qui-Gon and is like, this is mine now. Yeah. I mean, that'd be difficult because the original trilogy uh, and Obi-Wan's lightsaber is blue. No, that's the one that's uh, that's Anakin's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Obi-Wan pulls out and says, this is your father's lightsaber. Yep. Okay, never mind then. I well, take that back. Yeah, even like whatever lightsaber that he uses in the later episodes, like just have that be originally Qui-Gon's and like, it's a token of a little thing. Yeah, something else. like that. I think that's all I would really want to get into and change. I think uh, I feel bad that they don't bring C-3PO with them, and they're just like, yeah, you're yeah. probably going to be fucking uh, just garbage in a few hours. And he's like, what? I mean, it's not that bad because we know he'll be fine, but... Yeah, but that's still like, damn, Anakin, that was a dick move. Anakin Skywalker made C-3PO, and they're not going to use him more to get intelligence on him when he's Darth Vader. You can't, you can't set these things up. Some of these things are too big to 
do is changes. These are just airing my grievances. Yeah, I mean the continuity errors from that start from these prequel series is out of hand. It's it's ridiculous, but I mean I think this is uh, probably the movie that we have the most changes for that we've gone over so far. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I'm good on the changes right now. Oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, trying to recap, we have. Uh, Changing a bunch of character introductions make them better. Yep, Jar Jar is uh, more noble and like uh, has an alliance with the uh, Naboo people before getting kicked out. Yeah, Anakin's a, uh, either an older, more uh, wise character rather than just a smart-ass kid. Mm-hmm. Focus less on the trade negotiations. Yes. Uh, and make Obi-Wan a, a more of a central figure and possibly give him a better relationship with Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. Make Qui-Gon smarter. Darth Maul is uh, around for all of it. Darth Maul's around for all uh, of it. He kills Anakin's mom. Mm-hmm. And, mm, and... Just that one big dialogue pass that, that we do right before shooting. Yes, that, like, overhaul. Just get Quentin Tarantino in. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> Tarantino's doing a Star Trek, so maybe we just don't need a Star Wars out of him. You know, he'll do what J.J. did. He'll uh, just go from one to the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think we might have missed one or two things on I, that. I, guys, rewind and find it. We've been talking for a while. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things to fix in this movie that uh, we've said that we we actually like more, probably more than most people, that it's it's not that bad, but man, is it just problematic overall. Yeah. So now that we're like out of surgery, there is one fun thing that I didn't really think about until I rewatched it. So they're talking about that Anakin is the prophet and going to bring balance to the force. Mm-hmm. But when they're talking about this, the Sith have been wiped out for, like, generations. So when they're saying balance to the Force, it's not that good is, like, overpowering bad. It's that bad and evil are equal. Yeah. So what if he actually is the Sith, like, prophet, and he's making it just equal? Like, obviously when he brings it up, Mm -hmm. Sith, it goes on balance to the dark side. Yeah. And then, you know, in well, the last episode... He... To bring balance to the Force then. Right. Because I, I do think that's true, because then with the Sith wiped out, like, or at least evil wiped out, quote-unquote, completely, the Jedi have too much power. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's way too much of that, and, like, things are expanding too much. And I think they need, like, the Sith to balance it out, to be like, no, we need to halt this progress a little bit, and then it needs to go back. And hopefully there could be a time where, like, there's enough good and evil in everybody that it exists that it's, you don't have to have uh, so many Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to go to war as much uh, for these things. Because I, I, I would like that to see... Because they, they do a good job in like the new trilogy where it's them talking about how the light and dark can can coexist. Yeah. Well, in the new trilogy, the dark is still like, kicking their ass, especially yeah. at the end of Last Jedi. But that's why they need to rise up and get be stronger on the light side. But, uh... <laughs> My favorite thing about this whole thing is the documentary series that the, yes. that is seen. It was not documentary, but like behind the scenes footage that's like kind of released sporadically of uh, George Lucas doing like story meetings and like these other things and like him explaining what's going on. And like it's one of those things where it's almost like the office where the camera just moves to another person and they're either just like listening intently or really like not, not for it. And there are people that are for it, like they are good interviews, but it is. The thing that's the funniest is when he's explaining Jar Jar and saying that Jar Jar is the key to this new trilogy. And it's just him very excited and but low talking about how Jar Jar will uh, be there. It's like a it's like a it's like a melody. Everything plays and repeats. And we need to see these parallels come together. And Jar Jar is the thing that will make this in new prequel trilogy be be everything that it was meant to be. It's it's uh, if you if you can't if you haven't seen it just find clips of it online because like 
it's kind of insane to see this happen in real life. Well, you can. It's sort of funny just to see like George Lucas's like you know story arc of being like so gun ho about it, and then at the point where he's watching the first episode, like the rewatching, he's like, oh uh, wow. This was a bad idea. This was different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and, he, um, and then he gets stuck because every scene has like goes on top of another. He's like, and you can't, you can't really edit any of it out because, because it all every scene, every scene like plays from one to the other, and you kind of need just at least one detail from each scene that leads to the next. Yeah. So even if they repeat a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter, you can't just cut in, be like, "Hey, we're going to Naboo." Next scene. Yep. Uh, it's a good watch. If you were a big Star Wars fan, I would definitely give yeah. it. Because you can also see in pretty production everyone's face of just everything. They're like, we're going to do what? All right, you're George Lucas. I guess you know what you're doing. Yep. And then it just like, oh, when the premiere, the, when they're first watching the first cut, it's just like, oh, man, that was bad. Yep. <laughs> you know, good on George realizing that before it came out. Yeah, he, he knew. And then I, obviously in episode two and three, he course corrected. But... Uh... As we'll see in episode two, he might not, of course, correct it in the right direction. Mm-mm. But uh, Jar Jar was supposed to be a huge part of the series, right? Yeah. No, he was. And in episode two, he is a senator, so he's, like, giving a big speech in the in the chamber. And then in episode three, he's just at, uh, spoiler, Padme's funeral. And that's the only, those are the only times you see him. It's just one. It's a couple scenes in two, and then, like, one or two cameo appearances in three. Yeah. No, they did the right decision on that, yeah, at no, the very they, least. They knew what they were doing. Yep. So, uh, that's Star Wars The Phantom Menace, everybody. You know, it's like, as everyone said, there's stuff to fix on this. All right. Um, yeah, so is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm all set. Uh, th- thanks, guys. Stick around for the rest of the month where we talk about all the rest of your favorite Star Wars movies. Yes, we'll be tackling Attack of the Clones next week. So, you know, if you want the newest content, please like, follow or f- us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast if you want us on uh Twitter, that's just DR Script Podcast, just Dr. Script Podcast. Uh, every little thing goes a long way for us, and those those likes, you know, they, uh, you know they're like metachlorians. We just want more and more of them. <laughs> Gotta get an Anakin count. Uh, you guys can also just come to my apartment and give me money if you want to, if you want to support the podcast that way. Uh, just We can talk about it later. Don't worry. Direct message. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Script Podcast on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, have a, you know, oh, shoot. Uh, I don't want to force a pun here or anything, but... May the force be with you. And also with you. Where's my diet coke? (laughs) (laughs) Alright, see you guys.